Well, thanks, guys. Well, good morning, everyone. This is a, this is a good-looking crowd. Um, really glad to see you guys here this morning. Um, my name is Jeep Underwood, and uh, today we're going to be continuing a series that we started last week just called Can You Hear Me Now? And uh, what I'd like to do to begin with is just to recap just a, just a little from last week and then move into what we're going to talk about today. But last week, we, we started off, we just talked about cell phone reception. And we talked about, uh, we, I showed a commercial from Verizon from 15 plus years ago where a guy walks around, he goes, he's in the desert and he goes, can you hear me now? He goes, good. And he's in, he's like someplace where there's lots of snow and he goes, can you hear me now? Good. Then he's like coming out of a manhole for some reason. I don't know what that is, but he goes, can you hear me now? Good. And it's like everywhere, they're just trying to show how good their coverage was. And then we, we talked about how the frustration of dropped calls and just how when you have something meaningful to say to someone, you get done saying it, and then you go, are you there? <laughs> and the call got dropped, and and you're having to go, man, I, I said that really well. I just don't know if I could say it that well again. And uh, there just wasn't that connection. So we, we talked to him about that, just that, that feeling. And it's interesting, this last week, I've had that experience like three different times. Like, I haven't had dropped calls for a while. I, I talked about last week, and I'm just having dropped calls all this last week. Thankfully, I didn't have anything really all that important to say, so it didn't really screw anything up. Um, so uh, so we looked at look, that God is God wants to speak to us. In fact, that God is speaking to us. And we were imagining that God was saying, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And... We were, we were just, we were talked about just how often does God get to say, good. I'm glad we're connected. I really got some things I want to share with you. And how often is it a drop call where he has some things he wants to share, but there's just not getting through. We talked about there's a lot of other voices in our lives that really compete with God's voice, just the culture, the media we're in, other people, the enemy, our own thoughts. And then we, we landed on this idea of it's very important which voice we listen to. Because the voice we listen to determines what we do and determines how things turn out. So the voice we listen to really determines what we actually do and how things really turn out. And then, so we looked last week, like, how do you actually tune into the to hearing God more and hear Him better? And we spent some time, uh, just real quickly, we spent some time at the parable of the soils, the story of Jesus where He's just explaining these four different responses to the things he has to say, to his word. And the four, the good soil, the fourth soil he talks about is the person who can really accept God's word and for what it really is, the word of God. And their response is, whatever you say, God, my answer is yes. And that's the, he, that's the kind of person that can really hear God. And then he goes through the first three soils and he kind of lays out like, what are some of the obstacles and the, and the things that are in the way of being that poor soil? And so the first soil we looked at, it's just the issue is kind of resistance. It's being hardened to the point where the word of God just can't penetrate. And so it's kind of someone who has the kind of this uh, framework in life where they can't really even imagine that God, there's a possibility that God would really want to be involved in their life. And he has something to say. And then we looked at the soil number two, and that is that the life is just too hurried. And that, uh, so God's word can't really go deep into the soil of our lives. And so what we looked at there was just some foundational responses to God just to have a, to really schedule a daily time with him to hear from him. And then to join a weekly small group so that we can really do life with some other folks that are also doing that and really learn from them. 
And then soul number three, and this is what we're going to, we're going to kind of, we're going to start from here today. Soul number three was just a preoccupied mind. Is that the real issue with soul number three was there's just a preoccupied mind with a lot of other voices that are just crowding out what it is that God's voice has to say. So Jesus called them thorns. Really it's kind of like a weed that has thorns on it. And it just comes in and it crowds out the crop, the growth that God really wants. And so the weeds, Jesus actually talked about three specific weeds. Uh, in that passage, he said, there's the worries of this world. And then he said, another weed was the deceitfulness of riches. And another weed was the desire for other things. And so today, today we're going to look at the weed of worry in our lives. We're going to, we're going to take that weed of worry in our lives and spend some time talking about that. Now, how about you guys? Does, does anyone here worry? I mean, yes, I'm actually worried about asking you that. Um, you know, we all, I mean, that's just, that is like a common human experience. We worry about stuff. And, you know, uh, a few, about, probably about six, seven years ago, I was working in project management with the engineering company I'm in. And, uh, my boss, who's head, he headed up all of the project management, he tells me he's going to go on vacation for two weeks. And I was thinking, well, that'd be great. I hope you have a good time. He goes, and I'm going to make you acting chief while I'm gone. And then the good feeling gone. So I, okay, okay. And so then he, he said, he dropped this little nugget on me. He just said, uh, oh, and by the way, about a week and a half from now, the colonel and the corporate board, they're expecting a brief, uh, some updates on some things that we've been working on. And I'll send you my slides that I, we briefed on last time. So you can get ready for that one. Okay. All right. I just, I, he didn't talk about it much. So I figured it wasn't that big of a deal. And I was wrong. Uh, there was uh, a few days later, a couple of days later, as I got into his slides, and he was gone, un, un, untouchable, uh, I began to realize that there were some initiatives that the colonel, which is kind of like our CEO, really wanted to have done, and he wanted some progress on And this was an update. This was a progress update. And as I got into it, I began to realize that there was no progress. And I'm like, okay. And then my anxiety level began to come up. Okay. No progress. Well, maybe I can make some progress. And so, but then it was just, I, I won't go into details, but the initiatives were like way above my pay grade. Let's put it that way. And so I couldn't really affect it too much. And I started to get, I was just anxious. And I went and talked to the lieutenant colonel, uh, kind of like our vice president. And I, I just said, uh, hey, you know what? I know the colonel wants this. You know, our, you know, the boss is out of town. Uh, I can really work on this, but there's no way that I can have any answers by next Monday. But if we could just move it maybe a week in the future, then I could do some things, and then my boss, I could brief on my boss, and he could brief it. I'm thinking that this was something that might be helpful. And he said, nope, uh, just do the best you can. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the grace. No, uh, So I remember just walking out going, and my anxiety level went bigger. And I just, I started just really having a hard time. And then there was a financial component to this. And so I went and I talked to the head of our financial department and she was on vacation for two weeks. And so she had a person that was acting for her and, and that person, a, a gal, she was looking at, she goes, I think I know what they're saying. I think I can put some stuff together and I'm going to have that, uh, I'll try to give it to you by the end of this week. Okay. And I, you know what? This, this thing in my mind, it kept getting bigger and bigger. And I had a hard time thinking about my job, hard to think about my projects, because all I could imagine was standing in front of the colonel with nothing. And uh, so then, weekend, uh, the Friday comes, and she said, well, I'm still working on it. 
I'll say, I'll email you over the weekend. And the idea was that she and I were going to go in there together. That's, that's really what, that's how it happened. The financial and the PM going together. So over the weekend, I didn't get an email. So I kept looking, you know, you know, just <laughs> please email. No email. And so my, it just, it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And then the morning of, um, the next Monday, I went to work and I went, I, I, I said, Hey, is she in yet? I, I want to leave her a note. As soon as she gets in, I need to talk with her. We just want to get some information from her. Well, I can fly by the seat of my pants, have something there. And they go, Oh, she's not in today. She's not in today. Oh, she goes, Yeah, she called in sick. I went, Oh gosh. <laughs> she's stressing out. She called in sick. I went, <clears throat> You know, I don't feel very good. Maybe I, no, no, I can't do that. Um, but like I said, but over the course of that week, I'd gotten so anxious about this. And I went in there, and if you ever want to hear the rest of the story, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you this. It did not go well. <laughs> it did not go well at all. And uh, uh, I walked out of there and it was just like, well, I'm sure there's some things I can learn from that. And, but as I look back on that, as I look back on that, what I what I realize is that that actually had very little to do with my career, and it was just like a blip on the radar. There were many other things that I did. It didn't hurt me in any way, but in the, that week leading up to it, it was all I could think about. It crowded everything else out. But it actually, in the grand scheme of things, it just wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and so that's you know that's really the way anxiety. I think that's one of the ways that anxiety really works. Is it it just tends to grow and grow and it gets so big in your mind that it crowds other things out where it's even, it's bigger than it really ought to be. And in fact, in uh, Psalm 9419, the psalmist says this. He says, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. And I think he, he captures a picture of really what anxiety does is it, it multiplies. So you, you think, well, what, well, if that happens, this could happen. And if that happened, well, then this could happen. And if that happened, oh, my gosh, that could happen. And pretty soon you're like, you have spiraled out big time. And it crowds out all the other voices in your life. So when, when your mind's really overcrowded by worry, there's really no space in your mind for a lot of other things. And one of those things is really just the word of God and being able to hear from him and really take in the things he says. So we're kind of dis- we get disconnected. We have those drop calls where God really wants to help us. He wants to give us something to really help us. However, we just, we're just not connecting with him. And our anxiety, we tend, like I said, it tends to multiply, and our emotions and our thoughts tend to spiral out of control. And I don't know about you guys. You know, some of you probably grew up in homes that had swimming pools. I grew up in a uh, home that had a yard, and we had a pool that you could build and fill it full of water, so we had like an above-ground pool. And we had, my sister and I had a lot of fun in there. One thing we liked to do is we would get in this four foot deep pool and we would go in circles. It was round and it would just get, the current would get real strong, real strong. And then after it got real strong, we'd just take our feet off the bottom and float and we'd just like go around. You know, small pleasures in life when you're, uh, when you're 12 and you're 10, but that's what we would do. We'd really enjoy that. But I think that's a lot like how worry works is, it goes round and around, and you get the current going, and then pretty soon it just takes you away, and you're floating on it, and you can't think about anything else, so you can't really anything else can't penetrate. <clears throat> so this morning I want to just look at how can we counteract, how can we counteract that anxiety spiral, 
uh, so that our mind can really quiet down and we can really hear what it is that God has to say. And so as we do that, I want to spend some time just with, with Jesus and some things he was some things he said when he was on the Sermon on the Mount. When he was in Matthew 6, he's outside. He's outside. He's talking to this large crowd. And he's talking about several things that day. And then he talks about worry. And I want to spend a little time with what he says about worry. So starting like in Matthew 6.25, Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. You know, okay, <laughs> that, that would be great. We all know worry is a problem. He says, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. And so he, what he's, he paints a picture of the things in the future, the things that are going to happen that you're worried about. He says, don't worry about your life and worry about these future events, these future things. And to keep in mind, you know, the audience that he was talking to, you know, things like uh, what you eat and what you drink and what you wear were like huge things for them. I mean, those are huge needs that they had. And so he was speaking into things that were really them. So as we talked this morning, when you hear those phrases, think something, what, is, what are you worried about? What's something you're worried about? Or what are the things you worry about? And, and kind of put those in to that blank as we go along, uh, as we talked this morning. And we all have things that we worry about. Now, the next thing, right very end of that verse in 625, Jesus asks a great question. And he says, is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes. You know, is not life more than, more than food? You know, life is so much more than what we worry about. There's so much to life, way more to life than the things that we worry about. But like I said, when we worry about it, it gets bigger and bigger in your eyes. You begin to lose sight of all the, all of life that, that you really can live and you can really engage with. And so after Jesus says that, I think, you know, he's outside. I think he very possibly could have just looked up and seen some birds flying over. And I think he, then he says this in Matthew 6.26. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And, I, you know, birds, birds don't really have the ability to anticipate the future and to plan for it. Now, there are some instinctual things. They can build nests and things, but they, you know, they're not sitting around in committees going, I don't know. There's uh you see that hawk? He's making a nest over there. How are we going to approach the hawk? You know, they're not, they're not thinking about things like that. They're not thinking about the things that are happening in the future. They simply live and they exist and they just do instinctual things. And it says that God takes care of them. Now, what Jesus says at the end, he says, are you not much more valuable than they? You know, we actually have the ability to really think about and plan for tomorrow. Think about and anticipate the future, and that's a that's a real gift from God. It's a real gift got from God to actually be able to create things and make things happen. But it also opens up the door to this possibility of worrying about how things are going to turn out. And so He leaves us with that thought of like, aren't you not much more valuable than they? And as he, so He's making that point, and He goes on. He says things like, uh, "Can you add a single hour to your life by worrying?" He's He's kind of saying the thing that we all know that worry doesn't really help. In fact, if you want to just do a search, does worry help on Google? And you'll find the answer is no. Everyone knows the answer is no. Worry doesn't help. Um, so um, then Jesus, he looks around again, and I think he sees some flowers, and he, he uses he uses flowers as an illustration. And he also 
he also says, you know, they can't anticipate the future, and yet God clothes them beautifully. And so he uses those as, as an idea. And then he moves into, and he kind of wraps up this thought in the in four verses. And let's look at Matthew 6, 31 through 32. And Jesus said this. He said, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So remember, put in those in those blanks, put the things that you worry about, the thing that you're worried about. And he says, you know, don't don't worry about those things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Um, you know, don't worry about the outcomes of what will happen in the future, because he says that's what the pagans do. And when you think of that word pagan, what he what he what he means is just kind of People who have no confidence in God. People who have no confidence. Kind of that, that first soil we talked about where it's like they can't imagine the possibility that God would have something to do in their lives, something to speak into their lives. And so he says, you know, the people that have no confidence in God, that's what they do. So don't do that. And so the, the question is, the question that he brings out is really a question of trust. You know, do you, do you trust God? And so the, like to look at this morning is like, how do you grow in trust of God? How do you grow to trust God more? And I really think that the way to get to know or to trust God more is to get to know him for who he really is and just really how he really works and acts in your life and your, your personal experience with him over time. And you get to know him and you begin to be able to trust him more and more as time goes on. At the very end of that last passage, Jesus said, your heavenly father knows that you need them. He knows what you need. You know, what if you really knew that God really knows what you're facing? What if you knew that God really knows what you're facing? You know, I, I remember uh, one thing that's been true about my life is I have a lot of experience in breaking down in cars. And because uh, I always buy cars that can break down. So anyway, when I was a young guy, I was driving up I-5 and uh, I made it quite a ways. And then, uh, then I stopped my forward progress and, uh, I pulled off of this little town. It's just north of Bakersfield, this tiny little place called Button Willow. Beautiful place. If you travel up the five, you probably look for it because it's a place you can, uh, get something to eat. So I made it there. I got off the road and I remember trying to get a hold of my dad. And it took me a while before I got a hold of him. Finally, I got a hold of him. But there was something in me, like I had this drive to get a hold of my dad because I knew that if my dad knew what I was facing, that he would act. I knew that if my dad knew what I was facing, he would do something to really help me. And he did. You know, it's about a two and a half hour drive from where he was at round trip, but he came down and he helped me and we, we got the car home. So I'm really, I'm really convinced that as we, if we get to know God more and how much he cares about us and that he really knows what we're facing, that uh, we can really put more and more of our trust in him. You know, uh, about five years ago, uh, my family and I, uh, the, the home that we were living in, we had been renting, and we were told by the owner uh, that uh, she was going to sell it, and she gave us a 60-day notice to get out. And uh, so we were trying to figure out, like, where to go. And there's a, there's a story of just how God really took care of us, and that's a story I could, I could tell you sometime. But I'm going to tell you kind of a story within the story. And that is, you know, when we, as that happened, there were, 
we were looking for like where we're going to go. I looked up everything. There was no, there were no places available. Uh, not, it wasn't even like not in our price range. There just wasn't anything available. And I'm starting to think, I thought of, uh, Chris Farley. I thought we might be living in a van down by the river. And so I started joking about that. And about a month into it, I began to stop joking because I, maybe it will be living in a van down by the river. And, uh, but as we're, as we're going along, a couple of possibilities kind of, they kind of came out. One, was there was someone who was renovating their house up on top of the hill, and we didn't know their name, and so I looked up the tax records, and I found out their found out their name. Uh, Chris Clover was behind Chris Clover's place, and he knew a little bit of information. Using what he knew, I was able to find out the owner's name on the tax records. Sent a, I sent him I sent him a letter saying, "Hey, I'm looking for a place. Uh, is this something? Want to see if this is a possibility?" And so I sent that in the mail, and it had been weeks since I'd done that. And then there was another possibility, a, f- a friend of, or a person that knew Kate, she said her son-in-law uh, had a house in the area and it was going to come available and maybe, you know, we probably, she'd really put in a good word for us, but he was really busy right now and he'd get a hold of us when he could. And so you're just trying to hold everything with an open hand and I, it just, there were glimmers on the horizon and uh, I knew that God was taking care of us, but there was one morning, I remember this one morning when... uh I was just having my time with God and that worry anxiety spiral began to just begin to grip me. And I began thinking, well, what if we don't get a place? What if they never get a hold of me? Well, where am I going to take my family? What are we going to do? And it was only, it was only a few weeks away. It was like about three, three and a half weeks away before the end of the 60 days. And I remember that morning just, just between me and him, just stopping and just saying, God, um, I know you know what we're facing and I know you're, I actually see what you're doing. I can see paths, but right now I'm really struggling. And if you could just give me positive connection with these two people, just positive connection where I know that we have connected and maybe there's some next steps I could follow up on, just give me positive connection. And I just, I prayed that with him and I, I had to leave with him. I went to work and I was working that day and that afternoon, I got an email from the guy that we'd mailed the letter to. And he goes, yeah, you know, actually we are trying to do that. In fact, when would be a good time? You know, next week he, he set up a time when we, a couple of times that we could actually meet. I'm like, oh, man, thank you, God. And then I get a phone call. And I get the phone call, and the phone call is this this uh, lady's son-in-law. And he goes, you know what, I'm really busy right now. I can meet you in about two weeks. But here, and we set up a day. He goes, are you still interested? And I said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little interested. And so he, uh, we, we set up a day a couple weeks in the future and I had, and, and, uh, we had that set up. At the end of that time, at the end of that night, at the end of that day, I actually ha- I had a couple points of connection. It was exactly what I needed because, and it just, you know, honestly, it's something that I took very, very personally because God gave me exactly what I needed just for that day. And I still had tomorrow to think about. I still had to move into tomorrow, but but he gave me what I needed for that day. And I I think that personal experience and walking with God and and seeing him actually move in your life and helping you with things you're really concerned about, it really helps you to the point where you get to know what he's like. And then you can begin to put your trust in him more. There's There's something about seeing that he knows and he cares that really helps you touch bottom. Like if you're in that pool and you're swirling around, you're floating, it's been taken long, there's something about knowing that where you can put your feet down, touch bottom, and stop moving, and calm down, and quiet down, and trust Him.
And then, so what I want to do now is just move to the next couple of verses when Jesus was talking about worry. And this is kind of how, this is how he wrapped it up. He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All the things you're worried about, all the things that you're concerned about, he'll take care of tomorrow. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, one thing, I think what he's, one thing he's saying there is just, you know, to be involved in God's kingdom today, and then God will take care of what's worrying you tomorrow. And there's just the idea that God is going to be right there where you're, what you're facing today, and then he'll also be there tomorrow when you get there. And, uh, you know, there's a, uh, there's a quote by Corey Tim Boone. We talked about Corey Tim Boone a couple weeks ago, but there's a quote from her that I, I thought was really helpful. She said this about worry. She said, worry doesn't take the sorrow out of tomorrow, but it does take the strength out of today. So worry doesn't take the sorrow out of tomorrow, but it does take the strength out of today. And I think that's that's really, really true. When you grab tomorrow's trouble and you, you bring it in today, it's just way more than you can possibly deal with. And it just goes over your head. And uh it begins to just uh begin to just submerge you. In fact, there's a illustration that uh Bevan Unruh at the uh, Seabreeze Church down in Huntington Beach, I've heard him give where he talks he says it's kinda like you're in this glass container. And you're out in the ocean, but you're submerged, you're kind of floating in this glass container, and the glass container has water in it, and it's right up to your nose. And it's, you're just able to just breathe. And then he says, when you take tomorrow's trouble, it's like, when you worry about tomorrow, it's like taking your hands and bailing water from the ocean in, and then the water just goes over your head. And so just being able to leave tomorrow in tomorrow and trust God with it, it helps you really deal with what you're dealing with today. And so, you know, Jesus was saying, you know, I think what he's saying is don't worry, don't worry, because your heavenly Father knows what you're facing. He knows what you need today. And he'll be with you tomorrow in the future too. He'll be there when you get there. And like, what if we actually believe that? What would that look like? And, you know, one way that, one way that could look, let's say, let's say you had uh, an important meeting on Thursday. That you had to, that you had to have some things ready for and you're worried, but you, there's, it's really, it's an important meeting and things have to go well. And you tend to just be worrying about how it's all going to turn out. If you're going to do a good job, you're going to worry about how it's all going to turn out. And then if you decide to, you know, you recognize that that's tomorrow. That's tomorrow's problem. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on the day I'm living in. And I know that when I get to Thursday, God's going to be there with me and he's going to really help me on, on Thursday as well. Now, as you focus on today's trouble, today's the things you really have for today, it could very well be that the, the the thing you have on Thursday, part of today's trouble is to plan for that. You know, part of what you have to do today is plan for that and get ready for that. But just but take away the worry about how it's going to turn out, and then when you get to Thursday, that's when you just you know God's going to wake up with you. You're going to wake up with God that day, and He's going to walk with you that day too. And as we become more and more convinced of that over time, I think it really does. Um, it really does help us to be able to walk forward with, with faith and, and trust in Him. So a good question, like when, when you're facing something, you begin to, something begin to, you begin to worry about, is just ask yourself a question, and that question is, 
Is that today's trouble or is that tomorrow's trouble? Is that today or tomorrow's? And if, if it's tomorrow's, then live with, God, live with God in the present and just prepare for the future as necessary and then leave the outcome with Him. So, you know, if we, if we actually believe that God does know that what we need today and He'll be with us tomorrow, imagine what a difference that would make in the way you handle things. You could actually trust Him with things as you, as you go through life. And the, that anxiety spiral would work backwards. You know, you, you would put your feet down and then you could actually turn it around to where things began to really calm down and you could really hear what it is God has to say and create some real space for that. And I think that's what the psalmist meant when he said in Psalm 94, uh, he said, uh, when your anxious thought, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations, O Lord, delight my soul. I think that's the consolations he was talking about is just knowing that God really cares and he's really involved. So as we, uh, as we, as we begin to wrap up this morning, I want us, I want us to watch a, uh, a movie clip from one of my favorite movies and that is, uh, Lord of the Rings. And, uh, someone told me this morning, you know, Jeep, if you keep going, we'll see the whole movie. Uh, we, we hadn't figured out the time frame, but at some point we'll see the whole movie. But, uh, but Lord of the Rings is just, uh, you know, it's one of those movies I really love. But this, this, this clip is, uh, from the second movie, and they're, they're getting ready to fight the Battle of Helm's Deep. And so the, the army, they're vastly outnumbered by the enemy. And they're actually just, they're at a point where everyone has to fight. So they have like the, the older, the old guys, and even the kids, even the young boys, they're arming them because everybody's gonna have to go fight. And you'll see there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry going on. So let's, let's watch this clip and then I'll come back. Good sword. Alan, son of Hamlet. 
Lord, forgive us for our weakness, that is our strength. Forgive me. I was wrong to despair. How many people want to see what happens next? <laughs> I know I do. Um, you know, there, there's many voices in that clip, many voices. Uh, a young boy, he had been hearing the voices of the, of the others saying that there's just no hope. And uh, Legolas, you see, you hear his own voice where he's, he's just led to despair. You know, he just, he's worried to the point where he's in despair. And then what happens in the clips is you see that Aragorn's voice begins to be dominant. And they begin to his, they begin to choose to listen to his voice, and I think a couple of reasons that come to my mind. One is that his voice brought courage and hope. I think his his voice brought courage and hope, and then the other thing I think that that the reason his voice became dominant is that he was going to go into battle with them. He was going to go fight with them side by side. They weren't going by themselves. They were going to go with him. And there's, you know, when when our minds I think there's something very powerful about knowing that you're not alone and that someone that has hope and courage, someone who's much stronger and more powerful than you is going with you that really helps you deal with the worry that would take, that would take all of us. And, you know, when, when our minds are quieted down, then we can really hear God. We can really hear God. And I think we might hear him say things like this that he said to Joshua. In Joshua 1.9, Joshua had just taken over for Moses. Uh, some big shoes to fill, I'd say. And he said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I think what, what God was telling Joshua, he says, You know what? Didn't I tell you to do it? He said, So act with courage and hope. And don't give in to anxiety, because we're going to go do this together. And that's really the way God really wants to walk with us, is that he wants to go into our lives together with us. And if we if we open up ourselves to the possibility, we open up the lines of communication and hear from him, that's exactly what he can do. And it makes all the difference. So, you know, when we, when we pull the weeds of worry out of our lives, because they just keep coming up, but when we pull the weeds of worry out of our life and we plant God's word in and we participate with him and what he's doing in the world, then we become more and more over time the soil that bears fruit. We become more and more over time the soil that bears fruit, and we have real courage and hope for the future. Um, I'd like to just go through just a few next steps uh, this morning, like things that potentially you could, uh, maybe it's something that you could uh, put into practice, or maybe God has shown something else to you. really encourage you to do that. But, you know, maybe maybe for you this morning, maybe just in your daily time with God to just work to quiet your mind so that you can listen to him. Make that part of what you do is just to try to calm down and, and just quiet your mind so you can hear what he has to say. Uh, maybe for you, maybe it's leaving what worries you about tomorrow in the future, knowing that when you get there, God will be there with you. Maybe it's take, being able to take to what's worrying you and put it where it belongs in the future, knowing that God's going to be with you all along the way. And maybe for you, maybe it's just looking for a way to participate in what God's doing today. Maybe looking for a way to participate with what God's doing around you today. You know, maybe it's praying for someone else, uh, getting some time with someone who needs help, um, writing a note of encouragement, maybe making a phone call, 
just engaging with the people that God has placed around your life. Maybe that's maybe that's the next step that you could do. So with that, I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and come back. And uh, if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, now's a good time to go ahead and finish that. You can drop in the offering basket when it comes by. And then uh, I'll pray for us, and we'll continue with the service. God, I just uh, I just pray this morning, God, that you'd help each one of us deal with the worry that would take our hearts. And God, I pray that you would really help each one of us just to respond to you and to really leave tomorrow in the future and walk with you today. In Jesus' name, amen.